You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. We are live. We are live. Let's take a look, make sure everything's looking good. Got some exclusives for you from inside the bubble. Got some exclusives for you for inside the bubble. I talked to some people inside the bubble. We all got sources. Shout out to Chris Broussard, Red Cup. Uh, we all got sources inside the bubble. So you guys all know everybody, they tried to boycott. They boycotted a couple games, thought about canceling the playoffs and everything. But what ended up happening was was this. I'll tell you what ended up happening. Hold on for a second. Uh, Got to check my text message. All right, there we go. What's up, Black Pharaoh? So here's what ended up happening. So they seriously considering considered uh, boycotting uh, the season, <laughs> just finishing the whole thing up. But this is what people don't understand, and they try to tell you know some people try to tell you guys this is that a lot of NBA players live check to check, just like you. They live check to check. <laughs> I know you find that hard to believe because they make so much money. But, you know, if there's some, um, account, you know, uh, accounting, accountants in here, some uh, economics majors, I think you should, everybody should know this. Everybody should know that the amount of money you make is really not the barometer of how you live in. It's really how much debt you have to the amount of money you make, what your expenses are to the amount of money you make. So if I make $5,000 a month, you know what I'm saying, and, but my expenses or $6,000 a month, then I'm in the hole, right? Now, just equate that to an NBA player. Let's say he makes $500,000 a month, but his expenses are $1.2 million. You, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> so he, he's in a bigger hole, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of these NBA players, a lot of athletes in general, yeah, they get a big check, a lot bigger than you and I, right? But their expenses, because they got... They got a bigger house. They got a much nicer car. They taking care of all the cousins and grandma and mom and dad and all. You know, they got eight more. You know, they got a lot of stuff going on, right? So, yeah, if you if you LeBron and Paul George, Kawhi, you know, whatever, James Harden, you good to go. You're fine. You, you can take off. You got multiple avenues of revenue. You can take a hit. You know, you're fine. The problem is, and, and I talked to my NBA player anonymously, you know, I can't put him out there. He said, listen, Rob, I'm all for protesting. I'm, I'm sick and tired of everything that's going on um, in our country and everything. He said, but seriously, you know, I'm, you know, I make a lot of money. I'm not even lying. I'm making a lot of money. But, you know, if we if, if, if the NBA came back and said, hey, yeah, if you guys boycott, you know, you got to take a 20 percent pay cut or you got to take a 25 percent pay cut. or This may mess up the CBA you know, for free agency and things like that, it'd be a problem, you know, for me because I don't have the generational wealth yet. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing that he told me that I thought was interesting was he's like, look, this seems like a, and excuse my language, he said, it seems like a bullshit season, a bullshit playoffs. 
And that was his words. And I said, what do you mean by bullshit? He's like, you know, I know they're doing their best, you know, with the coronavirus and the bubble and the and the digital, the, the virtual fans and everything. But he said, it feels like a bullshit season because there's no home court. People don't really, players don't really want to be here. Nobody's really playing defense. Nobody really considers it a real championship, you know, even if you win the championship. He's like, that's why you're seeing the video game, you know, scores. He told me, he said, the Paul George situation, where Paul George says he had anxiety and depression and all of that stuff, he said a lot of people are feeling that. A lot of players are feeling that way. He said, maybe not to the depth of, of, of Paul George. He said, but you got to think about this. Most, hey, what's up? Most people aren't subject to just being stuck in one place for a long period, you know, of time. And especially athletes, because once you do have that type of money, you normally just don't stay in the house. Maybe Kawhi, but like in general, people just don't stay in, in, in the house like that. He said, so yeah, it was fun and everything for maybe a couple of weeks, but as they continue to go through, he said, people are just grouchy and they miss their family, they miss their kids, they miss their friends, they miss going to the club, you know, they miss all of this stuff and they're just not having a good time and a lot of t that's being reflected on what's going on on the court. <laughs> so they said that, you know, they feel like it's a bullshit season. And, and, and on top of that, then you got on top of that, you have all of this stuff going on. And let me tell you the other thing that he said that, that I've been saying for a while, but I think you should understand is it. He's like, listen, we saw what happened with George Floyd, right? The NBA put the Black Lives Matter murals on. We wore the T-shirts and everything. We kneeled. We did all of this stuff. We did all of these. I don't even know how you would explain it. We, we, the symbolism. We did all of this symbolism. And what happened? A couple of months, a couple of weeks later, another black guy gets shit, shot seven times in the back. So it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, are we really helping? Like, are we really helping if you're just talking into a void? You know what I'm saying? Or, 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 if you wear a hat, if you wear a t-shirt, if you put, if you do a tweet, a lot of teams like to do the tweets and the Instagram saying Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. But if somebody's still getting shot seven times in the back, is there any, are we, are we making any difference? And I think that's where, that's what Kyrie was saying, you know, from before. Now, a lot of these media people have been flip-flopping and stuff. They, they hated on Ky Kyrie. And then now all of a sudden they love the players for boycotting, but that's just a media thing. Media flip-flops all the time. But it's just, it's just that's, I guess that's the problem that the athletes are having. Is, and, and teams understand this, right? Like, so what happens is that, yeah, you can put a lot of money in this, to this and a lot of money into that, and you can wear your, your Black Lives Matter t-shirt. But if the stuff is not changed on a, the lowest levels, then what are we really doing? You know, what, what are we doing? And I, I think that's not just an athlete thing. I think that's just, a, that's, that's everybody. It's like, how many hashtags, hash, look, I understand hashtags, right? Hashtags, you know, but what, it doesn't matter if, the, it, it, we can we can put Breonna Taylor's hashtag up there a thousand times, right? But if the DA or the prosecutor, whoever that guy is, he hanging out with Trump and he got his ugly white woman, what is going to change? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like the hashtag doesn't help. If the black guy that's supposed to put the killers in jail is hanging out with Trump, 
hanging out with Trump, got his white fiance, got his white friends, you know, looking ashy on TV. You know how, like, even if you was a, let, let me tell you how bad that is. Even if you was a Trump guy, right? Even if you was a Trump guy, you know what it would look like with everything that's going on with Breonna Taylor to go t talk at the Republican National Convention. You should say no. <laughs> but no, he's like, I don't care. They don't care. They don't care about your hashtag. They don't care about your t-shirt. They don't care about Brianna Khan, which is a totally the other different conversation. They don't care about any of that because the people that are making the decisions are still in power. They're, they're still, and they're not making no changes. The cops, the crooked cops are still out there. The crooked, you know, we're here in LA, we got a whole bunch of KKK members that are cops. White supremacists are cops. Red Cup. We have all of these situations where there's nothing changing. And we can make as many t-shirts as we want. We can have as many hashtags as we, we want. But where is the actionable change happening? And I'm not just saying that like from George Floyd to Jacob Blake. I'm saying that from, and I'm just using my experience of, of how old I am. I'm talking about the earliest I remember well, not personally for me, because I, I tell that story another day. But the earliest I remember something saying, wow, they white people, cops don't like us. was Rodney King, right? The, the, Nino, you see, Rodney King. Now, what's that, 94, 93, 94? So we're talking, what, 30, 30, almost 30 years? 30 years, Rodney King. Beat Rodney King on tape. On tape. 92. So almost 30 years, right? On tape, they got off, right? <laughs> they got off on tape. Now, this is 92. In 92, people were saying, this can't happen. We got to do something about this. This can't go on. The police are corrupt. This. Now, I assume your parents, our parents, you know, can go back even further to the 70s and the 60s and the 50s or whatever. But just us people in our age group, let's say Rodney King. So we talk about 30 years. So for 30 years, we've been saying it's on tape and they're getting away with it, right? And here we are in 2020. It's on tape and they're trying to get away with it. How are they trying to get away with it? Well, that goes to my second point of the day. Now they're saying that Jacob Blake had a knife. And I told you about this as soon as, as, soon as it happened. I said the cover up is coming right now. They're going to say he's, he's grabbing for a weapon. And all, they, I, I already knew what they was going to say. Think about all the stuff that's in your car, right? <laughs> Think about all the stuff that's in your car, right? And what you can potentially use as a weapon, right? Does any of this stuff in your car, like I have a box cutter in my car. Get a lot of stuff from Amazon. I got a box cutter in my car. If I got shot seven times in the back, right, and they found a box cutter, in, in on my passenger seat or my passenger, but whatever. And they say, well, there's a box cutter in this car. You'll see all the white supremacists says he was grabbing for a weapon. He shouldn't have come to that. He should have did this. He should have did that. Blah, blah, blah. He had a box cutter. You see what I'm saying? They, they do that all the time. Now, the second part of what they do is, is they bring up every bad thing that the person that got shot did. Now, let me explain something to you guys. And I have to explain, what is it, Christian Kirk? I had to explain it to Christian Kirk, right? Because Christian Kirk was like, where's the protesting for the five-year-old white kid 
that got murdered by a black guy. And I point this out to him. If I murdered a five-year-old white kid, would they just send me home and put me on a paid vacation while they waited for all the facts? Of course not. Of course not. They would arrest me like they did the black guy, arrest me, and put me in jail for the rest of my life. The thing about Jacob Blake is you can be a trash person, right? You can be a terrible person. You can be a criminal, right? All of that has nothing to do with getting shot seven times in the back. You got a warrant. He's a terrible person. Arrest him. Send him to jail. That's the way it's supposed to work. If he was white, that's the way it would have worked. Simple as that. If he was white, same rap sheet or whatever he had, they'd have arrested him. He'd have went to jail. He probably would have got out on probation because he's white and white people get better sentences than black people. That People don't seem to understand that. It doesn't matter the person. It's the action. It's like the OJ thing. Nobody likes, nobody really, nobody black really liked OJ. You know what I'm saying? OJ was just a figure of the anger of the corruption of the LAPD. You see what I'm saying? So Jacob Blake is not Jacob Blake, the person that has everybody upset. It's the fact that the cops feel like they should, they can shoot any black man. Doesn't matter what they are. Any black person, they can shoot them seven times in the back. Now, conversely, you have a 17-year-old white supremacist, Blue Lives Matter, MAGA Trump supporter. Now, first off, nobody's even talking about how bad the parenting is here, right? <laughs> I'm not having my 17-year-old on social media with... AR-15s and assault rifles. Everybody wants to talk about black parents and black dads and all of that stuff. You don't see that from black families. Big Mama slapped the hell out of you if she saw you in the backyard with an AR-15. But beyond that, right, you have a 17-year-old with an AR-15 that's a white supremacist that's in a white militia who decides on his own, once again, bad parenting. I have a 16-year-old daughter. There's no way I would let my 16-year-old say, hey, hey, dad, I'm just going to just drive off over state lines to go to a protest. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going or what I'm doing. Come on, man. First of all, it's just terrible parenting. But second off, everything that he did was illegal. Teens are not supposed to have firearms. It was an illegal firearms, all of that. On top of that, cross state lines with an illegal firearm. All of this is illegal. What did the cops do? They gave him some water. They said, thank you for coming, 17-year-old, you know, teen. <laughs> thank you for coming, 17-year-old teenager with an assault rifle in the middle of a, of a, of a, a, a tense situation. The cops, the quote-unquote trained cops, said, thank you, we appreciate you, here's some water. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> the cops, they had checked, said, hey, this kid looks, you know, 17 years old. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they had checked that, said, hey, maybe, you know, that's an arrestable offense. So, of course, a 17, and let's be honest, the dude's a loser. You can tell, you don't take long, he's a loser. He drop out from high school, misdemeanors. He, what have I told you about cops? What have I told you about cops? The reason a lot of 
races become cops is because they're losers. <laughs> All right, they're screw ups. They get they get picked on because they're punks. So they become cops to you know because they have all this insecurity. You can look at that kid and tell that he's all jacked up. He's a loser. He was bullied. He's a punk. He plays a lot. I bet you you look at his Call of Duty time. It's a lot. He literally Call of Duty came out with a new game, and the guy that was in the game looked just like the guy, just looked just like the the seventeen year old Kyle. So you know he's a loser. But the thing is, that's who Donald Trump preys on. He preys on the losers. He plays on the weak. He preys on the idiots. Because this kid is not, not, not intelligent. He couldn't even make it through high school. <laughs> right? That's who Donald Trump preys on. Because they're fools. <laughs> they're stupid. They're not critical thinkers. They're followers. So Donald Trump creates a legion of these idiots and losers. And tells them that this is your country. You know, you got to take the power back. You got to, don't let them take your guns. When the, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Like he has, Donald Trump has blood on his hands. He created this guy. He created Kyle Rittenhouse. The, the, the Trump, you're right, Trump's base is uh, all un, uneducated white people. Because they're easily manipulated. Because no intelligent person would be like, I want to follow Donald Trump. <laughs> like, no intelligent person would do that. So they created this, this guy. And then he gets with other losers. And Because think about it. Think about your, your mentality at 17 years old, right? You don't know shit. <laughs> You're 17. You don't know how to handle stress. He's been in his backyard shooting at shooting at cans and stuff thinking that it's Black Lives Matter people he's been playing a simulator game and all of this stuff he don't know real life it's a fantasy to him because Trump told him so yeah he sees the, the McCloskeys he sees them hey Trump had them he had the little white kid that, that with the, the Native Americans maybe Trump if I go to Kenosha maybe Trump will call me maybe he'll tweet me so he goes down there with no idea of real life, right? No, no idea of real life. He goes down there and he thinks it's a game, right? He thinks it's a game. He is Remy from Higher Learning. And he goes down there and he's 17 years old and he gets in there with these people that are uh, truly upset and he's pointing his gun and stuff at them. He kills people. Like, this is crazy. But what's even more crazy, of course, is he shoots the people. He's walking toward the cops with an AR-15. Just shot three people. There's people screaming. This guy just shot some people. You know what the cops do? They drive right past. Let him escape. He gave him a little hand signal. Let him escape. And now, you're right, uh, culture. Now, you see what the media called him? They called him a vigilante. They called him a vigilante. And I thought about that because, you know, I like comic book movies and all of that stuff, right? They called him a, like he was Batman. <laughs> like he was ridding, 
the people that are protesting now over a police shoot. He was out there doing some actual good. That he was killing people, you know, like he was the damn Punisher. You know what I'm saying? And then I saw, I just tweeted it before I did the live stream. I don't read it to you if you didn't see it. I don't read it to you because I, I want you to, the New York Post said, just think about it, suspected teen gunman. Kyle Rittenhouse spotted cleaning Kenosha graffiti before shooting. And they got a picture of him cleaning the graffiti, looking all innocent and stuff. Now, let me tell, let me ask any of you guys, at 17 years old, if you would have shot two white people, regardless of, the, of whatever happened, they be calling you a vigilante? Would they be talking about how you clean the graffiti off? Would they talk about how your love of cops? Just, just look at look at the, yeah, the, what they call them, an aspiring cop. Just look at the headlines. I've told you this a hundred times. Vil, they, they, they vilify the black victims. They try to make the, the domestic terrorists look like heroes. They gave them water. They let them escape. They arrested them without incident. You know what I'm saying? Without incident. He's a criminal. He's a loser, but you don't hear about any. Any of that, he's the Punisher. He's Batman. You see people like Aubrey Huff and the MMA fighter talking about let me uh, let me let me support his defense fund. He's a national treasure. A national treasure. Kill two people. These two people not coming back. Kill two people. The national treasure. This is where our country is at right now. It's, this is serious stuff. I don't think sometimes when you're living in it, you don't realize what's really like how big this is. Think about all the stuff that America has told you about other countries to hate. You see what I'm saying? Think about it. Just think about it. Think about all the stuff that America has told you to hate about other countries. Now then think about the stuff that America does. We really that much different than the countries they told you to hate? If you ever traveled internationally and you've asked someone in a different country what they think of America, nobody likes us. <laughs> nobody, nobody likes us. There may have been a time where coming to America was a was a, was a, was a cool thing. Nobody likes us. Like. Yeah, if you if you are in some regime, you're in North Korea. Yeah, coming to America is probably, uh, you know, your dream or whatever, right? But if you live in a country that's relatively free, <laughs> they don't like us at all. We literally do the same thing that China and Russia and Korea and Germany and all of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? We do the same things. They got on Jamel Hill for talking about how we have some Nazi Germany tendencies. I mean, it's true. It's true. I'm from the beginning. It's, it's true. It's, it's not great. And the reason you know it's not great is because you would think when these things happen that most people would be like, da da da. da. No, they like a, he's a national treasure. 
He's a hero. They don't hide. Dana White is all about all about Mac. There are people that say, hey, I love D- Donald Trump. Yeah, Herschel Walker and his, his, his gay son up there talking crazy. You know what I'm saying? It, talking crazy. Red Cup. That's the problem. So when you look at the media, you got to see what's, what, what's happening. That's what they're doing. They're switching things up. They do a cover-up. It's always a cover-up every single time. When it comes to politicians, Nino, I think you're right. Like, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm neither. The problem is, is that with Trump, it's kind of like, with Trump, it's like this, right? Like, you can have, like, a termite problem, right? Or you can have a uh, uh, an ant problem. Or you can have something going on in your house, right? But if you never go into the walls, you may never know that you have it, right? Have you ever watched those shows like uh, the, the Property Brothers and all of that stuff? Is they be trying to sell the house or redo the house, and they don't know until they go into the walls, right? What's going on? What we had is we had a lot of ants, we had a lot of termites, we had a lot of mold, but Trump had us going into the walls, and now we see it. Like, oh shit! You know what I'm saying? Like, I I knew my house was a little shaky, but I didn't know I had all of these termites. That's America. I know I had all these termites, all of these these ants. They don't came out. They, you know, they don't came out. The thing about creating awareness is you can be aware of something that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change. That's that's the issue I think everybody's having a problem with the, the athletes, the regular people like you and I. We can talk about it to death. We can wear t-shirts. We can do hashtags. But the change is not happening. And and that's the frustrating part of of what's happening going on. It's like, okay, we see it. How do we correct it? But the thing is, you can't correct it until, just like the termites and the ants, until you flush flush it all out. Right, Nino? So you got to flush it out. The reason that Breonna Taylor's, you know, whatever, the DA is is MAGA. The reason that you can't trust what's going on in Wisconsin is because of the the sheriff and the the DA and the politics. You can't trust them. Can't trust anybody. And this is not just small cities. Can't trust anybody in LA. You trust the LAPD? You trust the NYPD? You trust the Boston PD? You trust their mayors, their, their DAs? No. So until you flush the system, yeah, getting rid of Trump is a step, but that's not going to change what happens in bumfuck Missouri. <laughs> if anything, getting rid of Trump, you take a breath, right? But the ants are still there. <laughs> The termites are still there. They just plotting to rise up again. I guess that's that's the problem. And here's the thing. 
Don't listen to polls. I'm telling you. Trump can win again. Trump, you know what I noticed? I have, uh, what, 96,000 followers uh, on Twitter, right? And I'm, you know, I'm pro-black, right? Now, look at all the, the black people on Twitter who are anti-black. I'm talking about like the Candace Owens, the Jason Whitlocks, uh, those, those black politicians, the black preachers that all hang out with Trump. They got 200,000 followers, 500,000 followers, 1 million followers. You see what I'm saying? You, you think about like someone like, like Clay Travis, right? Who is a certified racist, but he can get Donald Trump on the phone. So Fox Sports would never fire him. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> They'd never get rid of him. So he can say all this stuff about the coronavirus and all this stuff. They'd never get rid of him. Will Kane could jump from you know ESPN to, to Fox and say type, say crazy stuff. <laughs> it's it's easier to be a white media racist, to be a a black a media person against black people than it is the people that are pro-black. The support is not there. Starbucks. So you gotta pay really attention to what's you know what's going on. I don't know if it's gonna change. I used to think by the time I got old and gray, even though the gray is coming. I had to cut my own hair, by the way, because my barber's still out. <laughs> That's why I look all jacked up. But when I was old and gray, I thought things would be better. <laughs> and I'm not sure anymore anymore. You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. You know, I'm so, just like I assumed that, you know, my mother and father and grandmother and you guys' mother, father, grandmothers, grandfathers thought by today <laughs> things would be better. They're really not. They're different, but they're not better. Well, Bron oh yeah, Bron switched stances because two reasons. One, uh, a lot of the rank and file players talked to him and said they can't miss a check. And secondly, uh, you know, he's talking to some of the owners and they're going to, you know, supposedly do some actionable items. <laughs> but I don't think things have gotten better. I think it's just different. Like, we're the di like you know, they used to beat us with bats and all of this stuff and, and dogs. And all of this stuff. And, you know, we're just in a digital age. It's still happening. It's still happening. I support soccer. I don't really have anything. I don't have a particular team. But it's still happening. Right? Like, there's, there's like, it's more wealth. There's more money. But the ghettos are still the ghettos. You know what I'm saying? The poverty and the educational lines and all of that stuff is still there. Like, it's like it's, it's it's almost like you you know the house is still jacked up on the inside, but you just threw some paint on the outside, so it looked like a different house. But inside, everything is still not great. The the wealth disparity, the the poverty, the homelessness, you know, the educational system, the police brutality, the fact that there's not enough minorities in media, not enough minorities in politics, not enough minorities in pretty much every you know high level thing like all of that's the same 
from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. I think the difference is, is that people lie about it. Like a team will say black lives matter, right? But that same team will have 30 executives and if 29 of them be white men. You know what I mean? Like it hasn't changed. <laughs> Only thing that changed people fake it better. You know, it, they fake it better. That, that's what happened to uh, Pat Tillman. He was like, I, you know, Homer, I, I want to be, I want to, I saw 9-11. I want to help our country. I want to go and forget the NFL is bigger than that. I want to go into the army. I want to do my part. And then he got into it. And then he realized, hey, this ain't what I signed up for. <laughs> what I'm doing, what I'm seeing is not what, not what I was told. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Go read up on it. Don't take my word for it. Go read up on, on Pat Tillman. A lot of it they tried to bury. Like literally they've tried to bury it on Google. But go read up. He he had all of the, the he was all land of the free, home of the brave, whatever, home of the brave, land of the free, whatever. He was all gung-ho about that. Then he got into it and said, this is some bullshit. Here's the thing about Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley is the bigger name. Kenny Smith actually does shit, like real shit. Excuse my language. He does real things in the community, and he's been doing it for like 20 years. Chuck is, all you got to do is Google. Google him about Eric Garner. Google him about what he just said about Paul George. Google Charles Barkley about what he said about cops. You'll see where he stands. He's always, since he's got rich, he's always blamed black people. And the thing about Chuck, and you know, he he's funny and, and some other things. But when it comes to that stuff, he, he can't hold a candle to Kenny. And, you know, Shaq has done a lot of positive things uh, in, in the community and stuff like that. But let's not forget, Shaq's a cop. You know, Shaq went to Papa John's when he saw a money-making opportunity. So, of course, they wasn't going to leave. Ah, oh, shoot, it's, it's my best friend's birthday. Ah, oh, man, how did I forget that? Facebook's supposed to tell me. Um, damn. Uh, never mind. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, so they wasn't going to leave. Kenny does real stuff. You got to... You gotta, really pay attention to, you got to be able to separate entertainment from the person, right? Charles Barkley was a basketball game on is good for entertainment. But when it comes to these type of topics, he's not, he's not good at it at all. I'd rather listen to Ernie Johnson because he's always going to blame us. And here's the thing, those things are false equivalencies, you know, in the sense that What's happening in black communities, right? The reason that they happen is because of the circumstances. You're like, you're a product of your circumstances, right? If you gave black people the same opportunities on an equal level as white people, I guarantee you certain things would change, right? If you ever listen to any drug dealer's story, right, who's not a drug dealer anymore, what, what's the, what, what does the story start with? I ain't had no money. 
I couldn't eat. My family couldn't eat. I saw people with nice cars, nice whatever. I had nothing. There was nothing available to me. My 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 elementary school and high school was terrible. The teachers were terrible. The, 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 everything was bad. So this is what I turned to. So if you flip the script, if you put white people in these situations, they do the same thing. That's what people don't seem to get. If you put somebody in a bad situation, they're going to do bad things. You go watch. Some of you may be too young. Go watch the movie Trading Places with with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. It's a comedy, but there's a lot of truth to it. Comedy, but a lot of truth to it. You see what I'm saying? Like the the reason that it just taking myself for example. You know, I grew up in St. Louis, in a rough part of St. Louis, right? My grandmother was like, no, you're not going to do the stuff, okay? You, you're going to go to school. You, you're going to put you in a Catholic school. When I was in high school, they sent me out with the whites. <laughs> they didn't want, like, like there was certain high schools within my neighborhood. Grandma was like, no, you're going out with the whites. I didn't want to go out with the whites. All my friends was down here. They sent me out with the whites, <laughs> Quote, unquote, keep me out of trouble. Send me out with the whites. And I remember I talked to my grandmother uh, a few years ago. Why'd you send me out with the whites? <laughs> and she said, you have to see that there's more. <laughs> and not necessarily saying that the white people are better. You just have to see that it's more. And it's crazy because the white school was only about 20 minutes, 25 minutes away. St. Louis is not a big city. But it was like a totally different country. To me, taking the bus ride from where I was at to the white to the white high school, it literally looked like two different countries. <laughs> so you have to see it to see. You have to listen. You have to see, and then you see these white kids, and you see how unbothered they are about everything because they don't have to worry about certain things. Now I went to Bishop DeBerg, <laughs> Catholic high school. You know what I'm saying? So. They sent me out there, and you just see other things. You got to think, when you're a kid, when you're 14, 15, 16, your brain is not all developed right. But you see other, you under, start to understand little things, right? I think half the time with, with, with black children, we can't dream. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, like our life becomes whatever it is. Like, there's no dream. You can't, there's, you don't see it in the way out. And when I say that America is not like is like a, a lot of these countries we talk bad about, think about it. If you live in a certain portion of the world, you think you can't get out. You can't think beyond that because you, the regime or the, the country has, has decided that you live in a certain area and you don't ever think you can get out. That's the same for black people. That's the same for black people. You see the Master P thing? And well, Master P going back and forth? It's like, he's like, I got out and I was out of there. I had come back and help, but I wasn't going to be like see murder and hang back out. I was trying to get everybody out. So when people say, black, like Charles Barkley, black on black crime and black people need to do better, you know, give us the resources. It, I saw a story, I think it was in the New York Times or something. 
it was in the New York Times. It was in something, and it said it was a, a black and white, uh, mixed race couple, and the couple was trying to sell their house, and the appraiser came, and the house was they appraised house was like three hundred thousand dollars, and I think I can't remember if the girl was black or the dude was black, but one of them took all of the, the like the black pictures of them, the couple pictures out of the house, and just the white whoever was the white person of the couple, right. Uh, they had a new appraiser come and it was just the white person there. That was it. Said he had a white wife or a white husband and they appraised the house for like $400,000. Now, that's a lot of money, okay? What they're telling you is, and uh, we're talking about a devaluing system. Just being black devalues, was it 162? Devalues your property. According to my man M. Uh, 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 Lowry here, devalue your property by $162,000. Just this. Just this. Just the color of your skin. Devalue your property by $162,000. So don't talk to me about black on black crime and, and gangs and Chicago and all of this stuff. Give us the same resources. Because think about it. Let's say they bought that house for 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 three fifty. If the appraisal, they just took the first appraisal, it's three thirty, three hundred. Now they fifty thousand dollars in the hole. If they get the correct appraisal, which is four hundred, they fifty thousand dollars ahead. That's the difference between black and white. You see what I'm saying? White person's fifty thousand ahead. Black person fifty thousand behind. Give us the same opportunities, the same educational system, the same affordedness, the same loans, the same everything. When I go in to buy a car, when I was young, I didn't know anything. So they would try to they would try to get me on, especially my first like cars. I'd be paying some astronomical amount of interest. I didn't know no better. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know any better because nobody taught me. So I'm paying at, I'm paying more on the interest than I am on the damn car. I'm upside down on my loan. And I'll tell you a quick story that I'm going to get out of here because I got some things to do. But I'll tell you a quick story. I'll tell you a quick story. And then I'll let you go. So, at a portion of my life, everything was terrible, right? My credit score looked like a bad batting average, like a Houston Astros batting average right now. Like, I don't know what the minimum credit score was, but that was what mine was and probably 50 points lower, right? At a certain point in my life, you just got to be like, listen, I got to change some shit around. So, I did all this research on getting your credit score up. Because I messed up my credit because, you know, you go to college, they give you all these credit cards for free. You know, you get jacked up if you don't, once again, if you don't have the resources, right? Because I was smart, but I learned real quick. You can be intelligent, but if you don't have the knowledge, the intelligence doesn't matter. So I was smart. Once I learned it, I could figure out like, you know, percentages and, and interest and all that stuff. But nobody taught me that. I barely knew how to do my bank account. I had to figure all this stuff on my own. 18, 19 years old. But anyway, so it's mid-20s. Credit all jacked up. 
I mean, it's terrible. You know, it's like I got a lot of stuff. So I, I went to research. I gave some tips while I'm going through this story. So I did the research. The first thing I learned was uh, dispute everything. <laughs> Go get your credit report. No matter what you owe, just dispute it. Uh, because if they don't answer in 30 days, it has to go uh, off your credit report. And I tell you, it works. Listen, I had a I had a car that got repoed, right? Uh, yeah, I was trying. To, I told you guys this probably the story back in the day. I had this car that got repoed, and I think I owed like ten, fifteen thousand dollars on it or whatever. <laughs> and I just I was like, what well, shit? I just disputed it, and just and they took it. Right, a, a ten thousand dollar owed it went right off my credit report. Just like that. So dispute everything because what it is on your credit report, it's not that big stuff, honestly. What it is was I had like collections for like uh, 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 $10 bad, $50 bad check, you know, just little stuff. And it, all that little stuff is just naked, bam, 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 down on your credit score. So go dispute everything first. If you dispute it and they actually do reach back with you, Come up with some sort of payment plan. Try to at that point, especially like my my had stuff for like five years ago. That's like you give us five dollars, we'll take it and take it off your credit score completely. Make sure you don't when you negotiate like to pay something off, like an old credit card or something like that. Make sure in the negotiation you say if I pay you like you say if you owe fifteen hundred on an old credit card and they say they'll take five. Don't have them. You have to make sure you get in writing that they say that they will take it completely off of your credit report. Not that you paid a partial payment or anything like that, completely off. And as soon as you give them the $500, dispute it again, and then dispute it as paid. Normally they won't do anything after that. So you dispute everything, okay? That's that's really the most important thing. Then pay off whatever you can pay off, right? If you've got a problem and you can't get any credit, get a secure credit card, right? A secure credit card just means that you put the money on the credit card that, you know, you wanted the, the limit to be. So if you got like $500, go to your bank, get a secure credit card for $500 and never use it or like use it for gas like once a month and pay it. Always keep it at a zero balance. That'll establish your, your baseline, you know, of credit. Then after that, you just got to wait. But the more you dispute, the, the, it'll go up. It'll go up. And then try not to, you know, like I said, put a lot of stuff on your credit card. Now back to the story. That that just that just help you in the in the in the short term. And yeah, don't get a lot of uh, don't get a lot of credit. Also, when you're going to buy stuff, like every time you try to get something, like they say, hey, you want a Target credit card, you want a Macy's credit card, don't do it. Even if you can, because all of those are little hits, <laughs> little hits. So be very careful about what you apply for and spread it out. Right, one credit card every six months or something. You know, no, you always want to have the money. Like, I mean, you know, if you got a million dollars, who cares what your credit score is? But at that point, you know, I didn't have no money. So you need you need good credit if you just want to get like a, a like an apartment or a car. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like everybody, if you got the money to buy it, then who cares about the credit, right? Then you can be a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, then you can be a little bit more, get whatever you want and stuff like that. But if you have the money, just, you know, take the money, you know. But if you have no money, you do need credit because if you, like I said, if you want to move or you want a car 
or you need a, you know, you got to get it like a, you move into an apartment, you need a washer and dryer and stuff. You know, you need credit, you know, to be able to, to, to do that. You know what I'm saying? So just do that. But back to the story. So, hold on, my wife is uh, texting me. Uh, try not to go bankrupt if you don't have to, only because that stays on there. Like I'm telling you, the better way to do it is just dispute everything. I mean, go. Ba- only time I would say go bankrupt is if you got like some like big on there. You you know like you know some like hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's what rich people do, like Trump. Hmm. I'll tell you this story though, and then I'll get out of here. So I finally got my credit to like a decent amount and I had a decent amount um in my uh in my in my actual bank account. You know what I'm saying? So that's really dumb. Um I decided to finally go get a car, right? But this time I was re I researched, right? You know, I researched what car I wanted, how much it should cost what type of down payment you should make to get like the monthly payment that you want, interest, blah, blah, blah. I was ready to go. So I go to the to the dealership, right? And also a little tip that I learned later. When you go to the dealership, what I would do is I would go to your bank or credit union or whatever you got and try to get your pre-approved car loan from the bank. That way you know how much money you're working with and you don't have to be at the car dealership for seven hours as they go through 35 credit agencies and try to mess up your credit. But anyway, I go to the dealership, right? Know exactly what type of car I want, blah, blah, blah. We find the car. I, I, it's a uh, it's a new car, but it's a, a loaner. So it had like 5,000 miles on it, but it was like five dollars $6,000 less. So I get into the little finance guy uh, office. Finance guy sits me down. Uh, my credit was okay, but it wasn't as good as it, it is now or, or what it should, but it was enough to get the car. So he sits down, he looks at me, and he says, okay, here's what I got for you. You can walk out of this uh, dealership right now. It was a Nissan Maxima. Uh, He's like, you can walk out of this dealership right now. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to give me a dime. Your your monthly payment would be $679 a month for five years or whatever it is. And you don't have to pay me a dime, sir. Here are the keys. You can leave. Here's your car. You know, it's basically $700 a month for this Nissan Maxima. Now, just remember this. And, you know, I was like, ah, oh, I like $700 a month for a Nissan Maxima? And I don't have to pay anything? I was like, sir, you're trying to con. Right, for a Nissan. That's because the interest was was all all crazy and high on it. So, like, so I was like, mm, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> like, I, no, I'm not paying $679 a month. For Nissan Maxima, right? So he looked at me. He said, "Okay." He's like, "So what would you like to pay a month?" I'm like, "I I'd like to be much lower than six hundred and seventy-nine dollars." I was like, "Here's what I do. You know, you keep working the phones. I got this amount of money right now that I'm willing to give to you, right? And I'm willing to give you this amount of money if you can get this payment under four hundred dollars. If not, I'm walking out the door. And I had the money with me." And I start walking. <laughs> okay? I literally start walking. I'm like, listen, it's not I can I can go get something cheaper or something. I you know, as a loner, I thought you had a good deal. Obviously you don't. Now the thing about car dealerships you need to understand is that they work basically on this commission structure. So 
it's hard to sell cars. I mean, unless you got, got a, a, a clientele. So if you ever go in there and you have money in hand, like a couple of thousand dollars, they're not going to want you to walk out. Because you can go across the street to another one, and, that, and that, I mean, especially when you talk about twenty thousand dollar car, or whatever, it was a twenty five thousand dollar car. So I get, I go to walk out, and I'm walking out like I can't do it. I thought you could help me out. Obviously, you can't help me out. It's a nice, it was a nice black car, you know, whatever, like nice. But I, I can't do it. I'm out of here. I, I like the car. I'm out of here, but I'm doing. So I get like halfway, and the guy comes running out. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was like, what? I told you, I can't do it. I'm not paying $700 for a Nissan Max, but that don't make any sense. Like, I know my credit's not where it needs to be, but I got this amount of money. I need this payment around this amount, and this is what I'm going to do. I can't have all this interest. I don't want to be upside down on my loan, et cetera, et cetera. He says, hold on for a second. Just go sit over here. So I go sit in the little lounge area. They give me some coffee or something. I'm sitting there minding my business. He comes back. He says, well... I, talk, I called a couple of more, you know, my finance agencies and da-da-da-da-da. And if you can pay this amount, we can get you down to $3.99 <laughs> a month. Right? Down to $3.99. So we're from $700 to $3.99 in, I don't know, 30 minutes. <laughs> 35 minutes. So, all right, I can do $3.99. No problem. Got my interest down. It still wasn't where I... I wanted it to be, but what I ended up doing was I ended up refinancing with my bank for a much lower interest rate and all of that stuff. I'll tell you what changed. What changed was he just and I well, it's a point to this story. Let me get to the point and I tell you what changed. So we did all the paperwork and everything, and I got the keys and I'm walking out and the big white guy right hits me on my shoulder like this. And he's like, I'll tell you something. And I had no idea why he wanted to tell me this, but he just told me. And I, and I always remembered it. He said, you know something? You're a, smart, you're a smart guy. You're a smart man, smart young man and everything. You, know, to, to, you knew what you wanted and everything. He said, let me tell you something. He said, nine times out of ten, when I tell somebody that they don't have to pay any money to get a car, they take the car. <laughs> he said, they, they always take the car and take the payment. And the reason that we want them uh, to do that, the reason we want them to take the car with no down payment is we want them to uh, get repoed. We want them not to be able to make the payments because then we can take the car back, resell it, still at a high rate, and maybe somehow make 25% more money on that car just by keep flipping it. Basically like a house, like flip the car. So he says someone gets the... They get the they get the car, no down payment, high monthly payment. They can't make the payment. Say they make the payment for a year, a year and a half. For whatever reason, they can't keep up with the payment. The company repos the car, you know, resells it at still a higher than what is valued amount. And it's they keep doing it over and over again. You see what I'm saying? And he told me this. He's like, that's that's what we do. And what he didn't say. And what I just took from it was what he really wanted to say is that that's what we do to black people. <laughs> like, that's what I was getting from it. You know, that's what we do to uneducated people. That's what we do to people that don't know how finances and things work. That's what we do. That's how we get them. And here's the thing. When you get your car repo, that goes right on your credit. You see what I'm saying? Now, 
I'm like 26 or whatever at the time. So I, you know, I, I, all of this stuff kind of is, is a lot to me at the time. But I really started thinking about that. You go into a car dealership, your, your credit is 600, right? Ish, 590, 580. Good enough to get a car, but not good enough to get the car that you saw on TV that said 0% down or 0% down, 0% interest. You go in there, you get the fat white guy. He comes out, he says, hey, he, they, what they do is they put you in the car and let you drive the car. They show you all the little affinities and everything. I mean, they're salesmen. And he, they say, this is your car. This is your car. And then you go into the big fat guy's office and he say, you can have the car right now. You can leave right now. You got to pay way more than what the car is worth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you can leave right now because they know if, yeah, the finance guy is always a big white guy. I never forget when I got so that was back then. But I finished this. But I never forget when I got um, I got my uh, what's it my I think it was yeah my first Lexus. It was a used one, but I went through um, uh, I went through my bank that time and I had the money already. I looked up the car. I knew how much the car cost. I knew how much I wanted to negotiate. I my I, with my bank. I got like an interest rate of like 1.9. I was so I was good to go. <laughs> so I went into the Lexus dealership, chest all out, knew exactly which car I wanted on the website, went in, test drive, said I want this car, but I want it at this price. I got a check right now. <laughs> right now, I pay for this car right now. And I never forget, they took me in the back. They they said, fine, that's great, cool. And they took me in the back and with the fat white finance guy to do the paperwork. And he said, hey, uh, man, uh, you know, maybe I can get you something a little bit better. Well, I got 1.9. <laughs> Unless you're getting me zero, I don't need anything better. And he kept peppering me. Like, oh, I can do this. I can do that. We can add this. We can add that. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And then at a point in time, he kept pestering me. And I was like, look, man, I got to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to. You know, I got one guy I gotta go back home. It's late. And I'm going to want to get eat dinner and stuff. I got to get out of here. And he got so mad at me. But he, that's what happened. White people get mad when they deal with black educated people. So just be smart. That's all I'm saying. Just just be just that's the difference is it's not that black people can't do anything that anybody else can do in the world is that they don't want to give us the resources to do it. They don't want to give us the knowledge to do it. That's what the fat finance guy was saying. He's like, we normally swindle people like you, but you had the knowledge. It was almost like he was like, hmm, I'm impressed. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you why I'm impressed. Because why would a dealership tell you, hey, we really want you to like not make your payments? It's like he had to get it off his chest. So all we need are opportunities, education, and we'll be fine. So don't listen to Charles Barkley and all these other talk black on black crime and all of that stuff like that. Honestly, I think black people are more talented, the most talented people on earth, uh, at least definitely the most creative uh, with that. Considering everything that's against us, the fact that we have done so much is a miracle in and of itself. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they don't like it when you go when you go through your bank. They don't like that. They don't like that. The reason they don't like when you go through their bank is because, honestly, when you go through the bank, it takes... All of the stuff that you would do through the dealership because you got your financing through the dealership, they don't they don't have no control over it anymore because you own the car at that point. The bank, you know, quote unquote, owns the car, but you don't have no affiliation with the uh, 
with the dealership anymore. They make right. They make more money off the financing because you know definitely they make more money off the financing than they do if you pay it. Because if you pay here's the thing: a car is twenty thousand dollars, right? If you do their financing, whatever deals they've cut with the banks, they're getting a percentage of the extra that you're paying on your finances, right? Well, if you just come in with a twenty thousand dollar check, that's it. They get their twenty thousand, and that's it. But like the one finance guy said, what he really wants to do is he wants a $20,000 car, he wants to sell it, and then he wants one person to pay $5,000 and repo it. He wants another person to pay $15,000 and repo it. He wants the next person to pay six dollars $7,000 and repo it. And that $20,000 car, they don't make $30,000, $35,000 off of. It's wild how business is against us. So keep it up. Keep it up. All right, I'm out of here. Red cup. What time is it? 10? Oh, it's still early. Mm. I had to get a lot off my chest. It's not even Friday. You guys be safe. Uh, thank you for supporting me through everything. You know, I'm back on the grind. I got some, I potentially got some big things. Doorbells ringing. I got some big things coming up. So be looking out. I'm out.